0: It's just so funny. Like it, it is like the absolute peak of reality TV. I do not think that anything can be a better distillation of everything. Like that...
1: it's really the thing that the thing that really gets me about it. And let's like let's start at the beginning in a second and get to get to the beginning of episode one. But like just in general, like the ethics of it. You know, like if you if you're a bake off and you make a shitty cake, like it's f- no
0: no one's <laughs> forced no one to, to eat to it. Eat
1: it. Or like, you know, on Drag Race, if there is like a kind of oh competition, we're going to make them, we're going to give the other team or the other drag queen a particularly difficult thing that they're not very good at. They'll do a bad performance, but like deliberately making your opponent, quote unquote, do a shit tattoo on someone that's got to be on on their body forever, and for some people, it's their first ever tattoo as well. Like, it's just really unethical. It's really unethical.
0: If you're just tuning in and you didn't see the title of this episode, we're talking about Ink Master. We're doing the Beneath the Skin official watch along series with Ink Master each week. Ink Master is like one of my favorite TV shows. Like I have watched pretty much every single episode of Ink Master that's ever come out. I, it's like pure trash. It's incredible, and this is Matt's first time watching Ink Master. Matt, w- first off the bat. What's your, uh, what's your first thoughts?
1: Well, we, we interviewed uh, Doug Hardy uh, earlier in the week, which I think will be out on a future episode. Um, and Doug Hardy was on an episode of Ink Master at one point um, as a kind of guest judge, I think. And I, we've, we didn't get around to talking to him about it, which because uh, 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 we had so much other stuff to talk to him about. Um, I would have liked to have got an insider's perspective, because for me, like, this is insane. <laughs> um, I've never... Wa- like, okay, so I watched like some of Miami ink when it first aired, like whenever that was like 10, 12 years ago or whatever, I wrote a little article for a little magazine that I was publishing with a colleague of mine. Uh, It was a magazine called paperweight, which people can find on my academic research website. And um, you know, about tattoo TV and stuff. But other than that, you know, and I watched a bit of London ink when that was on because, um, you know, I knew some people on it, but like, I haven't really seen any t- tattoo TV because it just annoys me too much. It makes me so furious. <laughs> um, particularly as I've been trying to get my own like serious tattoo history program made for ages and the, the commissioners always tell me that it's going to be too niche and no one's going to watch it. So clearly this is what the people want, right? So so Inkmaster, is Ink what the people want. $250,000 price.
0: So, yeah. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Inkmaster is... A competition style show, think of like Bake Off, pretty much, but for tattooing, where there's a big prize money, there's like tattoo artists of all different like levels of skill that are all competing against each other to get the title of Ink Master. Shell's been running for a good few years. I think it's like started in like 2011. Well, this I think. is this is apparently season 14. Yes, this is season 14, and. This season, so originally it was like just competing tattoos and as the show has gone on, they had to introduce gimmicks. Um, there was recently the, there was like different areas of the US versus each other. There was grudge match where like two tattoo artists were brought back who had beef in a previous season and they had teams where this season is all about, they brought people back from previous seasons who didn't win.
1: It's like a kind of all stars thing, right? Like, 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 like Drag star, drag Race has the kind of all stars format. The other thing I have to say is a sort of prelude before we get into the deep conversation on this, Tom, is like, you know, I've never been a big reality TV show watcher. Um, but my, my partner, my, my, um, my partner Layla is obsessed with reality TV. So, <laughs> uh, we, I have been watching a lot of these shows um certainly over lockdown and we watched the we watched bake off and we watched pottery throw down and we watched um the 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 um the BBC like um clothes, dressmaking one uh, which my friend Amber's a, a guest historian on we watched the lego one which randomly turned out to have someone i worked with and his son on it <laughs> which i didn't realize um so i've gotten a kind of a, you know i'm i'm not, by no means a connoisseur of this stuff but i've i've learned a little bit of the of the kind of formatting language of these programs. I've also, you know, Drag Race, we watched a few of the seasons. I haven't watched all of them. Um but I'm I I'm sort of so I'm I'm watching at this through a lens of like, you know, someone who who has been known I'm not entirely cynical about reality TV. I have enjoyed been known to enjoy a competition show uh, or two. Or the glass blowing one on Netflix is a is amazing. You know, that has the, the added Added jeopardy of potentially life-changing burns if someone fucks that up. So,
0: yeah, this is this is literally the only competition show which has like life-changing implications for the people who participate in it, and it's not the actual competitors because so essentially the way this show has always worked is previously, and I think we need to address a lot of the stuff about the history of it.
1: Yeah, tell me the so give me the deep. I said to you, this is season fourteen returning characters i don't know who any of them are um you know i i'm very excited to see joel madden from good charlotte uh on the, as the judge uh and you know army james obviously a pretty decent terror uh, and nico Hurtado, like genuinely a legend but like everyone else i and, and dave navarro you know obviously we know who he is but i don't know if any of these people are uh, i don't know any of the law i don't know any of the, of the of the history so this is what i need you to fill me in on tom
0: Okay, so Potted History of Ink Master used to be hosted by Dave Navarro. Initially, I was kind of like, why is Dave Navarro the host of this show? He has a lot of tattoos. He's a rock star. Okay, we get over that pretty quick. And then the old judges were Chris Nunez and Oliver Peck. Chris Nunez, very, very well-known, well-respected, very talented artist. Oliver Peck, also very well-known and very good artist in his own right. Unfortunately, um, pictures came out of Oliver Peck in blackface. You know that's not really acceptable. So this kind of coincided with season thirteen, which was the last season that happened. Um, and it came out right when COVID was happening. So the it got to the actual final, which the final for Ink Master is always meant to be live. So you do your kind of like live six eight hour tattoo in front of a big audience. There's all this sort of stuff and it got cancelled so season 13 no one won ink master so it got the show got cancelled both in the literal sense and because <laughs> and because of oliver peck so uh, for people who really enjoy this show they were kind of like oh is it going to come back they the word was that like it's not coming back it's done and um, they announced it earlier in the summer and so Dave Navarro is no longer the host. Like you said, it's Joel Madden, the lead vocalist of Good Charlotte. Uh, Ami James is one of the judges. You know, Amy James, fantastic Japanese tattooer from Miami Inc. You know, if you watched TV, reality TV in the mid 2000s, you know this guy. Uh, Nico Hurtado, fantastic, fantastic. Ex-Israeli,
1: Ex-Israeli army, like,
0: sniper, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ami... Uh, Tommy James is a weird guy. Um, he's Israeli, uh, Jason Statham, but Nico Hortado, like <laughs> you said, true like legend of the game, and Ryan Ashley, former winner of Ink Master Season 8. I have some thoughts about this, which I'm going to get into later on. Um, but So the roster for this season is all people who have previously on it. So you might recognize some of these names, you might not. If you watch the show, you'll probably recognize them. So, 10 contestants on this season are Bob Jones, who is like a incredible biomech and anime tattooer, like insane shit. Angel Rose is black and gray, a lot of realism, that sort of thing. Katie McGowan was on season six and season nine. Holly Marie, Ira McCassis, another black and gray realism artist. There's a really, really heavy representation of black and gray realism. Carl, who is my favorite. Um, Should have won season eight. He should have beaten Ryan Ashley, but uh, Gian is a Neotrad artist. Creepy Jason is a new school artist that wears like a pork pie hat. Pondy Man is like kind of new school sticker kind of illustrative style. Uh, Deanna James is... She kind of does very, like, painterly, no kind of outlines, very, like, flowing, colourful works, and Chris Shockley, who also does kind of a bit of everything.
1: So, okay, let me, let, let me ask my first question then, right? Now you've gone through that list of people. It's, it's, it's 2022, right? We're pushing 2023. Why the fuck is there still a contestant who goes by, presumably, ironically, Creepy
0: Jason? What the fuck's that all about? So he does like kind of like weird kind of like Tim Burton style stuff. If I can remember, I'm just going to like look it up because uh, I feel so like he's,
1: so he's called creepy Jason because he tattoos creepy style stuff rather than the fact that he's actually himself creepy.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like, um, in the school of now Kelly Dottie, who is a former contestant on Ink Master. Yeah, an incredible, incredible artist. He does like Creepy Jason does kind of like illustrative, a little bit new school stuff. Like a lot of, you know, if you look at his Instagram, there's like Freddy Krueger, there's like kind of a weird piece of cheese in a top hat, like that sort of thing. Does kind of, you know, weirder stuff. Um but yeah, we'll get we'll get into Creepy Jason.
1: So okay, so he's not called Creepy Jason because he is creepy. That's that's the first no. thing I wanted to no. I want to get clear. So the second thing I want to get clear is why why visually everything from the tattooing to the clothes to the to the set design, does it look like 2003? Like, is this just because 2003 is having a fashion resurgent moment? Like, it was properly weird. As I said, this is probably the first tattoo show I've watched since 2003. And it's like the the, the, the whole aesthetic of the entire industry seems not to have changed
0: <laughs> but like so essentially like the show visually has never changed Does It look, has looked the same for the past like if you look at the episodes from like the early 2010s like it looks like you know the 90s like people big jeans <laughs> all that sort of shit like but I think the set design has kind of cha- has stayed the same throughout Um, I'm gonna get back to kind of this point later in this episode. And by the way, we're actually talking about episode one and two. Uh they both premiered on the same night. So if you want to watch it, there is some ways you can watch it outside of the US. Uh, if you're interested in that, DM us on Twitter and I'll help you out. Um at Beneath Skin Pod. But so essentially the way this show works is they f- they have like a pool of contestants. Previously they would have like twenty contestants at the start and then 90% of them would be eliminated or 50% of them would be eliminated by the end of the first episode. So this is a little bit different. Like, they're all returning faces and quite often a lot of people who've been on previous seasons of Ink Master would have been on, say, a previous season where they might have, you know, not gotten as far and then uh, kind of not as gotten as far, may have become like sixth or seventh. But this season, both... Bob Jones, Angel Rose, Katie McGowan, Giancarlo all made it to the final. So a lot of like people who've placed quite high. So essentially what happens is the show sets challenges. So in the first episode, which we're going to talk about first, there was a challenge set by Nico, Ryan and Ami, where they were given three designs. First design was a Japanese mask uh, by Ami. Then Nico set a kind of portrait realism, eye in a heart that's crying, and then Ryan was to kind of a delicate snowflake, and everyone was kind of allowed to pick what they wanted. So Matt, do you want to give a your bear in mind while we were while Matt was watching it, I got him to send me voice notes on WhatsApp and this man was losing his mind.
1: <laughs> well I like, like so Okay, I've already sort of slightly explained slightly what, what's annoying me about it, partly because I, I, I do feel there's like an ethical issue about giving someone a really bad tattoo <laughs> and, and that being part of the jeopardy of the program. But, but, you know, fair enough. I suppose every single person going there knows what they're getting themselves into when they're getting a tattoo like that. So here's another question I have to ask before I talk. We talk about the challenges. Given that these are returning people, are any of these like kind of obvious like villains or you know people that like fans of the show love to hate? Because I said I don't know who any of these people are. There's a little bit of obviously like reality show drama in the editing, which I think is a bit confected, but that's fine. That's part of the part of the thing. But is it of these people? Are there any like that? you know, are obvious kind of, like, bad people, like, or, you know, crowd, like, you know, are they are they the heels? That's what I'm looking for in that wrestling framework.
0: So, uh, Creepy Jason won. Um, Angel Rose, kind of, because when she was first in season 11, she'd only been tattooing for, like, two years, and since has been, like, um gotten a bit of a reputation on social media that's mainly down to inked magazine filming everything she does and saying stuff like you know oh don't buy you if you buy a machine off the internet and start tattooing you're not a real tattoo artist go do an apprenticeship blah 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 that sort of thing i think that personality is kind of built around her over the past two years um aside from that not really um bob is like I think Bob is one of the most talented artists on the show. Bob, Katie, Gian. Because they also, I mean, again, I
1: say that because they all seem actually pretty nice enough as human beings and you know which obviously it's not always the vibe you get at the beginning of a reality program and also like in terms of and again like just make this let's make this a a standing disclaimer as we do this series like i am not a tattoo artist obviously (laughs) i am just critiquing this as a punter i they're all fine Like that was also kind of surprising to me in a way right like they're all this uh, this partly goes in with maybe this idea that it's a bit feels a bit outdated stylistically. Uh, they all seem fine to me. Like none of them, none of them seem to be incredible, but none of them are obviously bad towers. They're all pretty good, competent. Um, they're all at the they're all at the top end of you know of of mm. of, of 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 average. I would say they're all pretty decent, yeah. but none of them, none of them are like blowing me away either in what they're doing on the program or it, it, from what I've seen of their portfolios. Right. So yeah.
0: So, like, the thing is, is the way the show works is each week, there is a, the week is kind of themed on certain fundamentals of tattooing, be it composition, color, placement, such and such. And the first episode doesn't have any of that. It's like, okay, you're going to try and do photorealism, Japanese or black and gray. Fair enough. The shocking thing about this season is... Is there is no trad artist on it because traditionally in every season there'd be like one or two people who specifically uh, yeah. do trad, like Jimmy Snaz from season 13 and season 11. Fantastic, fantastic, incredible traditional artist. And I think the reason why this season there's no trad artist is because when they do trad week, the trad artists do phenomenally yeah. well. And then everyone else kind of struggle with, but I think yeah. that's why when we're talking about this Japanese mask, which is the one that causes the most difficulty, which you have some thoughts about. Yeah, it, it's a simple design that has to be done well.
1: Yeah, I think so. This is super interesting, right? So I've I've judged tattoos at tattoo conventions as well before, and I have to, obviously I've got my own biases. I I'm much I'm obviously a fan of traditional stuff, probably traditional, and then like black and grey uh above everything else. Um be interesting to see if they have anyone go and do black work, because that would be interestingly problematic. But like um I have my own biases and obviously a lot of the kind of new school stuff I'm not a huge fan of, like certainly stuff that isn't very outliney, I I have instinctive issues with. But I have to try and be like objective. And like they you know, as I said, they all seem to be like all right tattoos. but there was a lot of like uh, you know, a lot of uh and there was you know given that for example a huge amount of those challenges like that snowflake in the first challenge this it was a good illustration of like how you give the same design to two different tattooers and even if, and if they copy it quite and quite exactly it's going to look different depending on the choices that that tattoo artist makes like there's a whole chapter in my phd thesis about that um so i think it's really interesting probably as a from a customer's point of view to realize that you've got to pick your artist as well as your design because you know um uh what's her name ashley the judge she ryan, she's ryan ashley ryan ashley she's obviously a pretty great like delicate fine line artist. and the the, the artists that had a go at that like, really really butchered it i mean it also again to be fair on them they've got 60 minutes which is like disgraceful <laughs> like i understand why they put time limits on bake off or master chef or whatever because the time is part of the jeopardy but like trying to do any tattoo in 60 minutes let alone any of i mean any of those ones that they were given as a design i mean the, the japanese one i think probably you'd have a but trying to do like that that realistic color thing or that very very complicated symmetrical thing with all those circles on it in 60 minutes is just setting people up to fail and setting your customers up to get bad tattoos um but i thought like you know it was really interesting that every single one of those artists that did the snowflake so i think chris did it right and um did diana i i should have yeah Deanna did the
0: um
1: they just they just lined it too thick oh and angel did it as well like just uh, lined it too thick didn't really pay attention to like you know and obviously weren't kind of able to go out of their comfort zone in terms of their machine setups in terms of their ink choices like they all needed fewer needles and a light, uh, you know, a washed gray to get that to work properly. I think, you know, as I said, I'm not a tattooer, but it seems to me that was the mistakes that they made. Um, and yeah, it's a good illustration of like how you, if, if, you if, if you pick the wrong artist for the wrong design, then you're going to end up with something really, really,
0: you know, not not, not what you wanted. And there's two standout things from the first challenge one was a uh, was it ryan that said oh it's very hard to tattoo someone else's design which matt matt sent me a voice note of him essentially <laughs> screaming that's just flash that's just flash <laughs> that's the basis of tattooing and two something that you took a specific issue with uh, we are a tattoo history podcast the fact that Army Army's comments about the color scheme of the Japanese tattoo, yeah,
1: the Hiotoko mask. Like to be fair, look, I'm I'm gonna get, make this really clear. Army James knows more about Japanese tattooing in terms of its design language than I do. Like, I'm not gonna <laughs> argue with him on that. Well, like when we come to the next episode, I'm gonna argue with him about lots of things. But, um, you know, I I it's I think that was really unfair. So the so there was this Hiotoko mask. Hiyotoko is a character from like no japanese no theater he's this sort of a drunken farmer who's also potentially like the god of fire he's got a funny little kind of mouth and he wears his kind of headscarf thing and like army james was like it's gotta be blue and white it's gotta be blue and white and i was texting you thomas also, and saying look you know traditional japanese telling didn't have any blue ink in it it was all just done in black and red so if that design was used in traditional Japanese towing, it definitely wouldn't have been blue and white. But he's right to some degree that when that mask appears in plays and when you find historical hiotoko masks, they do have white and blue bandanas. Sometimes they're green. They're not always blue and white. But again, like, that's a really niche thing. Like, I had to go and, like, look that up um, and check, and I teach Japanese art, and I teach, and I know about the history of Japanese sewing. So that was a kind of thing that I had, to, I had to go and check because I wasn't hundred percent sure. I think he was, he was right, and I think it was a fair comment that if you're going to do that design, it probably for quote unquote tradition since it should have blue and white headband. But like, you can't, you can't penalise a cus- a for doing <laughs> the, it the wrong colour.
0: Yeah, but then, uh, so Gian and Diana are safe, so. The next, the way the show does its next challenge, so essentially there is like two to three challenges in each episode. So the next challenge is the skull challenge. So essentially... <laughs> so funny. Um, there's 10 golden skulls on a table and whoever is safe from the previous challenge will uh, get to pick who gets assigned what tattoo in this challenge. So essentially what happens is The challenge is tattoos in difficult places. So we're talking ditches, knees, back of the head, hands, shit like that. All 10 people come out and they say, I want this, I want that. They all want like insane tattoos. Like what what were some of the tattoos? Well, I
1: mean, the whole whole list of things. I mean, as I said to you when we were chatting about it, when I was watching it live, like obviously this is the kind of shit that tattooers have to deal with. Uh, you know, customers walking in and just word salading this insane collection of things, um, and the poor artists have to make it work. So I thought, in funny enough, that was quite a realistic uh, sort of challenge in a way of trying to work with these completely bonkers requests. The funniest one for me um, was the guy that came in who wanted his armpit tattooed with some macabre flowers, by which presumably he meant macabre um
0: macabre. he said
1: macabre he said macabre and nobody picked him up on it and i was just laughing like a drain the whole the whole rest of the time um yeah. there was the guy the guy that wanted the, the 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 moth no something was it some demon thing he ended up with a moth but he the request wasn't a moth specifically on the back of his head again like if you get the back of your head tattooed dude, don't go on a TV show and get it done by someone who doesn't want to do it. Like, that just seems like a really bad decision from free the tattoo. customer's point free ta- of view. Uh,
0: free, ta- free tattoo. Free yeah, tattoo. <laughs> I've <laughs> got a
1: few silly tattoos done by artists who are mucking about, but they're not on the back of my head. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> But, so, essentially what happens is <clears throat> Gian and Deanna then get to essentially assign these tattoos to specific people. So, it so do you, have list, do you have a
1: list? Do you have a list of them? Because I think we should list them. There was, I'm, I remember there was a there was a Nordic warrior fighting a bear made of trees. That was one, wasn't it? There was a pirate ship, uh, staffed by clowns. <laughs> there, was the, <laughs> there was the there was the there was the macab and it, there was the macabre flowers. What were the other ones? I'm going to take better notes in future.
0: <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, this is a sign for the future. We'll keep better notes for this. But um, <laughs> there was, yeah, you know, a ghost ship with clowns. There was demon stuff. There was a, essentially what they're all kind of a lot of black, a lot of um. Oh, pawn had to do a. This one really stuck in my head. It was a forty-five pound plate in a yeah. banana hammock. It in a dude's armpit like that Ampip. is yeah yeah yeah
1: like a bodybuilding
0: thing. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I, I loved that tattoo. I thought it was fantastic. But <laughs> essentially, um, the three that it came down to that were going to get eliminated, or sorry, four, because Chris um, was offered safety. Chris Shockley was yeah. offered safety and turned it down because he said, I don't want it to be like a pity case thing. And it came third round, what came down to Bob, Katie, Holly and Chris and what they then had to do was the people who were safe from the difficult placement challenge then had to pick who of what designs that those people didn't do in the first challenge, they had to do them again. So Bob had to do realism. He then Katie had to do... Uh, Katie, I can't remember what Katie had to do. Holly had to do the Japanese tattoo, and Chris had to do realism. And so Bob did a realistic corgi design because he loves anime and he loves Cowboy Bebop. He, if this is lore, this is lore for the previous seasons. He and it was also, has, also
1: very appropriate because the queen was uh, was on her last legs. And so I, I, I want to sort of say that Bob's corgi tattoo was a tribute to her match.
0: Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Elizabeth <laughs> II, you would have loved Ink Master. Um and Chris did a realistic frog, so
1: yeah. And Holly did Holly did a nice little chrysanthemum, didn't she, or a peony mm-hmm. or something? Yeah, which yeah is pretty so
0: nice these are all styles that none of these people actually do. Like Bob says, like Bob does like biomech and anime, and he's like, I do not tattoo this. At all Bob's pretty decent. Chris's essentially it looked like an out of focus picture. Um and came down to it, bye bye Chris. Chris is gone
1: yeah controversial because he 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 said he wanted to to earn his place and then
0: yeah Didn't I mean, it. again
1: like really like color realism so nico hitado one of the judges is one well pretty is the greatest color realism artist that's ever lived like his stuff is incredible he's like the he's like the only good tower that celebrities ever go to and i, I mean i say that a bit hyperbolically but He's tattooed like I think Stuessa Stallone and a few other people. Like he's 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 one of these guys that tattoo celebrities, but is still genuinely a freaking awesome tattooer. And what he does is so difficult and like tr- so hard. And and asking people who don't do that style to do that stuff is again seems weird to me. Um, but yeah, like I think both of them did a pretty. I mean, again, I'd love to see those them healed. Seeing them fresh is one thing. I wonder what that frog looked like
0: healed, for example. <laughs> Oh, if you are interested, to, if you're interested in seeing at home what these tattoos look like healed, there is like a mega thread on Reddit of people who've been on Ink Master, what their tattoos look like afterwards. Oh, really? and oh my God. Not, okay. Not good. It's not good. But that's episode one. Well, well yeah. So as a, as a
1: fan, so as a fan of the program and of the format, like how does this, how did that first episode stack up? Because I thought it was like, as I said, it was weird, like... I thought the 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 quality of the tattooing was fine, but only fine. Uh, I have big ethical problems with the format, but but like, uh, and the judges didn't seem to have a lot of chemistry with each other. Like, so so, what was your vibe
0: of it? So i I think it was one of the weakest openers so far. Like, if you look at like other episodes or other seasons, like I think it was season six where they. Did the convention style tattooing for the first episode. So you had to tattoo as many designs as you could. Uh, convention style. I think there was a lack of chemistry between the judges. Like uh, the one thing you can say about Chris Nunez and Oliver Peck is they had great chemistry and they like they had good banter and it was funny. Dave Navarro is quite good. Um Dave Navarro's like weird floating head appearance in this episode is so strange. <laughs> as the master of chaos. But yeah, I think I was a little bit disappointed in it, but I know, and th- this is my thing with reality TV in general, these shows only get good halfway through the season. Like they only, re- yeah. like, once you've, once you've had people in a room for like a couple of weeks at a time, then they have, uh, you know, then they have a bit more chemistry. I, I think the, it's weird that you said that this show seems like it came out 10 years ago because, in some ways, it does, but also like that conversation between Jason and Chris, where they're talking about their feelings. Like that feels very twenty twenty two, um, and I think that's that sort of stuff in every season is what dates it. Like if you look at older seasons, there's a lot more conflict. Like people are like genuinely like at each other's throats at yeah points. Like well, I don't inc- like I don't
1: mind them not being that as a tattoo fan rather than a reality TV show fan maybe the reality TV show fans want that I don't know we want blood we want blood
0: hey are you enjoying the show if you really like Beneath the Skin and you want to help support us you can do so on Patreon for little as five quid a month you can help make this show possible help us buy research materials so if you like the show and you want to support us consider kicking us a few quid a month and you'll get everything from bonus episodes to Q&As, and you can even vote on what tattoo I'll get when we reach a certain subscriber count. Matt, have you got anything to say?
1: You should really definitely uh, fund the Patreon because tattoo history is massive, right? Deep, wide, complicated. We're covering some big hit topics on the main feed, but on the Patreon subscriber-only feed, we'll be getting into some really more interesting, niche, deep topics you don't want to miss out on. And honestly, the chance to kind of decide what Thomas gets on his body is probably just a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Subscribe, chuck us a few quid, don't miss out on this chance to ruin Thomas's body forever. (laughs) So, okay, so that's because, yeah, you know, like, as I said, I was sort of messaging you irritatedly about the show but nothing like properly enraged me episode two is is different episode two did make me really annoyed
0: (laughs) i think i think i think matt genuinely had a psychic break during this episode so the first episode a bit meh like i think if considering how much expectation there was on the return of ink master a little bit let down episode two great so, episode two, it's skill of the week is creativity. So, this is where we return to the traditional format of the flash challenge. So, these are challenges that challenge, that test the fundamentals of your tattoo skills. So, do, do, they? Like,
1: do they? Is that what they do? Uh, yeah, in, is that, in, theory, is that, in theory. Is that what they do? Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, like, there has been so many incredible flash challenges. Uh, the burnt toast. Uh, one is for shading is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I think that's in season 11 where they're given blowtorches and a wall of bread and they have to make a design by <laughs>
1: So by I said to you, them. yeah I mean Jesus Christ, I said to you like so in this episode what they, they have to like do a kind of window display using post-it notes which you know like I said to you like it feels like they've lo- already, it's episode 2 they've lost faith in the format Because already they're not talking about Tatooine. But you said, you know, that maybe that's probably what TV needs. Like TV, uh, when I wrote that article about um, Miami Inc. a a while ago, which obviously was not the same kind of show, it was much, you know, a, a lot of it was about the drama of the customers and their kind of weepy stories. But Obviously, like that, the way Miami Miami Ink worked was more about how TV works than about how tattooing works, and of course, like that's obviously the same for this. It's not like an actual tattoo shop, really, but it did seem to me, again, as a view- first-time viewer, to to have more than twenty minutes of the first ep- first, you know, of the second episode of the program go by without any tattooing in it, like struck me as really surprising i mean i thought like actually creatively the challenge was interesting and like the things that they did were quite cool to be honest with you but like i and i guess maybe they reveal something about but again it was a it was a group challenge so it doesn't really tell you much
0: about any of the individual people involved tattooing well so it's a, yeah. essentially the the way they work is the flash challenges are meant to kind of test people's Uh, relationships with each other put a bit of strain on the group because they're obviously like testing like certain fundamentals of you know drawing skills creativity composition color uh, line work shading and obviously certain styles lean on those things more than other things so what it does is it kind of creates strain among the contestants based on okay well like a black and grey artist. Is going to have more kind of understanding of shading than, say, someone who does like really delicate fine line, like with no shading, nothing, whatever. And they, yeah, they have to make designs with post notes in a window. But the thing is, the design has to be readable from the other side of the window. So there is that challenge of, well, you have to do something backwards and you have to make it interesting. So There's two teams, uh, Pon, Gian, Bob, and Hiram are on one team. And then Katie, Holly, Deanna, Angel, and Jason are on the other. And Pon and Gian's team, they are arguing about like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They design kind of like an underwater scene and they use the fluorescent lights in the background as an element. And it's interesting, sure they're they're quite fun little pieces of you know
1: of 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 sort of graffiti-esque kind of poppy art stuff I think they're they're fine I don't know what much I learned about anything watch watching it yeah
0: um, like it, it's i think but I think in the formatting of the show because I think a lot of people who watch this show are interested in tattooing, but like they're i I feel like these challenges are very good for people who are kind of casual watchers of the show who don't know a whole lot about like art or tattooing and helps them understand the fundamentals that are then tested when they actually tattoo. Because if you like creativity, maybe this wasn't the best challenge, but when it gets to like later weeks, it helps them kind of understand what's being critiqued in the, in the tattoos later on in the show. So then angels team. They, they do like kind of this underwater monster that has like a ship in its mouth. I thought this should have won. I think I thought it was like a really interesting use of like the material, the space that they had, you know, but can you argue with Ami James?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I thought, again, I thought they were fine. I mean, like, I think they were both pretty, the critiques are pretty, pretty spot on. I think it was a fairly straightforward, you know, I think I probably would have said the same thing as it was, you know, it was it was it was, it was fine. I was just honestly just like, come on, give me give then me something. we
0: move on to the actual tattoo challenge. And Matt has a lot to say about this because it is an art history challenge. Matt, uh, what artists yeah. are included in this?
1: Well, look, yeah, so uh, look, I'm an art historian. Um, I, I teach art history at university. I came into art history through tattooing. So the links between them is really, you know, really important to me. Something I, I think about a lot. Um, and so I had a lot of thoughts on this challenge. <laughs> so, so we've got what? So we've got Van Gogh, H- Hieronymus, I think it was pronounced on the program, Hieronymus Bosch, Roy Lichtenstein, pronounced Lichtenstein on the show, uh, Be- Aubrey Beardsley. Uh, Vasily Kandinsky, who was pronounced by the customer who wanted it, Kandinsky. Uh, uh, Vermeer, who was called a Renaissance artist, even though he wasn't a Renaissance artist. He was a Dutch (laughs) Golden Age artist. Um, Salvador Dali, Francisco Goya, and Pablo Picasso. So yeah, uh, those were the artists. And the twist was not a copy of one of their works, but like the brief uh, in the style of the yeah. artist. So, yeah. I want X in the style of Y. And we had some mad mad things, didn't we? So, it was a po- a postage stamp of a lighthouse mm-hmm. in the style of Van Gogh. It was um, an astronaut playing hockey in space in the style of Um It was a space alien in the style of Vermeer. Um it was a strawberry jam label in the style of Picasso. Um, it was some kind of horse thing. I can't remember what the exact brief was there, in the style of Beardsley. Then what were the other ones? So the 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 the, the Bosch one was like a guy and a book and a candle. Yeah. In the style of Bosch. The Kandinsky one, I think, just ended up being a, a Kandinsky style. I mean, how you could do anything in the style of Kandinsky that wasn't just a Kandinsky, you know abstraction i don't really understand i can't remember what the brief for that was and then there was um a, a goya's one was like a, some something eats an alien eating a human version of itself yeah. looking over his shoulder or something right
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the dali one what was the dali one it was
0: like a melting eye type thing
1: yeah yeah in the yeah in the style of dali so that was th- those were the briefs completely mental so Angel got Van Gogh and got that uh, got that lighthouse thing. I think she did actually a pretty decent job. I mean, so the critique on that was it? Army said that it's nighttime, but the the um, lighthouse is white. I mean, sort of fair enough. Although it is a lighthouse, it is lit up. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> let's add the laws of physics. The the list of things that Army James doesn't understand. But I think like fair, <laughs> fair enough. Um, I to come to the ones I had problems with uh, last. So the Beardsley, yeah, Gian, who won, really sort of pretty confident, like line work horse. Whether it was Beardsley, totally Beardsley, I don't know, but it was pretty nicely done. The Kandinsky that Bob did. The one thing I want to Bob, say
0: about like like Gian, he is a neo-trad artist. Beardsley, kind of art nouveau. It works. It works. He he got really lucky.
1: Yeah. Um. Rob's Kandinsky was nicely done. Uh, You know, again, I'm worried about how stuff like that would heal without line work, but it looked like a Kandinsky to me. Um, Pond did that like Vermeer alien thing, which was fine. I mean, Nick, Nico Hurtado said it should have had less line work. Fine, I think if you're gonna but you know, it's a tattoo. Not everyone's Nico Hurtado. I don't really blame him for putting a line around that alien's face and it I think it was okay to me. Um, then we had Holly's Dali, which looked like a Dali, but was really, really not well tattooed. Just like oh, pointed out, I, like, I,
0: need, I need to talk about this because th- this is a tattoo competition. I think Diana did quite a good rendition of a Picasso. We'll say, we'll say, yeah, say so, so, yeah, Holly's Dali and the line work.
1: Like, I feel like the line work just wasn't, well, they pointed out in the judging, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, I think it was quite nicely Dali-esque, but it wasn't very well tattooed at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is a tattoo competition, so, you know, technical application does matter. Right,
1: right. Um, then we had Katie's Goya, which, you know, Army James said made him feel creepy and it was too dark, but, like, it Goya's a creepy dark artist, dude. Like, again, I thought...
0: Bear in mind as well, when the person said they wanted a Goya, they had a picture of Saturn eating his son. Like if you're if you're going for that, that's what you want. Ryan Ashley said, like, oh, you know, it, it, it makes me feel something. And, you know, this doesn't make me feel the same way. I'm like, yeah, I, I think it was actually quite a faithful rendition of Goya if that is what you're going for. Like, obviously not like, yeah, it's black period, but like pretty good. Pretty good. I, th- I thought it was good. Yeah, I think she was harshly
1: treated there. And then before we come on to Jason and Hiram, uh Diana's Picasso, Diana who went home, like I think unfairly, like I thought it was I mean, yeah, it, technically it wasn't great, although Picasso doesn't paint up to every single line. You know, if we're looking for kind of things that look like if we're going to have a go at um uh, have a go at Pond for the Vermeer alien having a border, I don't think you can really have a go at uh Diana for having a Picasso where the shame doesn't go up to the edges because he didn't always do that but I thought it was quite nice I'm, I I she wouldn't have been my pick to go home I don't know like
0: I I I will say I with, thought <clears throat> with Diana's tattoo like the skin drama that was done on it that was a rough tattoo like bear in mind when they do the <laughs> when they do these big challenges they have 5 hours to do them that include I don't know if that includes composition as well so you're drawing as well but like <clears throat> That tattoo is going to heal bad because that skin was fucked.
1: <laughs> I didn't notice that actually, but I'll take your
0: word. Like for it. if yeah, if you're watching at home, um, if you're listening to this before you watch it or you're listening to it after you watch it, go back and look at the close-ups of that tattoo because like the lower left hand side, the skin is like bruised as shit. The like whatever about it, I liked it as a tattoo, but its application was rough.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about the two that I want to talk about. Here Hiram's first, the Lichtenstein, which I thought was really good. Like again, with a r- ridiculous esque brief, he did a pretty good job. The critique that he got from Ryan was: close-up lines don't exist in pop art,
0: and I sent you what, like seven, you said that, seven different like pictures,
1: loads of stuff from Lichtenstein including like if you if again people are people are kind of watching at home like google his monochrome roses that he did full of really nice close-up line work if you look at any of the kind of fighter pilot heads that he did in black and white um also super tightly packed with line shading like Lichtenstein was copying or exaggerating or working on the compositional and technical traits of comic books so to get kind of that kind of shading particularly in his work that wasn't massive scale. So a lot of the work that maybe Ryan's thinking about is the really, really huge stuff. But even in, even in Wham, which is the Tate Modern, which I sent you a close up from the, 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 the fighter plane piece that probably from people are familiar with, that's got close up line work shading in it as well. Like fine as a tattoo at that size, maybe it needs fewer lines and I'm I'll, Again, I'll defer to her judgment on that. I think probably she's right. You know, I'm a traditional guy. I like stuff that's a bit more stripped down. But like, don't don't try to justify it on the basis that Roy Lichtenstein of all fucking people didn't use close up lines to shade. Like, come on, come on. I sent you yeah, just loads and loads of pictures, particularly the roses um, that he did. I'm gonna quickly check what year that's from. I think it's from the 1950s. Like. The, the those those pieces um, are just full of tight, close rendered lines. So get the fuck out of here, basically. Like you know, nineteen sixty one, black black flowers by Roy Lichtenstein. Image search that and tell me with a straight face that Roy Lichtenstein didn't use didn't use close up lines.
0: But I think the one we have to talk about is. Jason's tattoo because it's so far off the mark. Hieronin Hyronus. Hieroninous Bosch. Bosch.
1: I mean, I mean, as I said you on the on the thing, like the customer was an idiot to, to start with. And and Jason was trying, but he said some really dumb shit. And then the judges said some really dumb shit. <laughs> like he said he said Bosch didn't do much with hair was a thing that he said. When she said that she wanted someone, with a a man with a moustache, Jason was like, oh, Bosch doesn't, didn't ever paint anyone with a moustache. And I think I sent you like dozens of pictures of moustachioed people from Bosch pictures.
0: Matt sent me me a voice note of him like nearly screaming down the phone about Bosch doing hair. And then suddenly I looked at my phone, I had 12 notifications of close-ups of Bosch's triptychs with hair.
1: So I don't know. I don't know what he was talking about, right? So, like, if you look at um, the, the extraction of the stone of knowledge, for example, right, close-up guy with his uh, getting a stone pulled out of his head. His head is very hairy. There is a Bosch um, with a big screaming moustachioed man. There are loads of little details in like the Gates of Hell and plenty of other other kind of magical realist, like, compositions that he did, which have, like, long-haired women, um, both in the heaven and hell
0: sections. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? Literally, the centre panel, the centre of the centre panel of the Garden of Earthly Delights has two characters with hair. Yeah! Quite a lot of the women...
1: Uh, in the hell scenes actually have their hair unbraided because that's symbolic of their kind of wantonness, right? So uh, where the fuck is he getting this idea that Bosch didn't do
0: hair? Like, why does he think that? That's what I want to know. But also as well, the second thing was that Bosch didn't use a lot of red. Well, that was because that was he did red
1: because the customer had black and red in her sleeve already and like he didn't do a, like he didn't do a Bosch tattoo at all like the style of the guy looked like victorian rather than you know 15th century like yes the customer was being difficult but like he didn't he didn't get the stylistic cues of Bosch at all but then when it came to the judging R.B. James said to him I, I I'm sorry it's red because they didn't didn't use red in the renaissance or that color didn't exist in the in renaissance painting like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, there's just so many people dressed in red, like, in every single one of Bonnie's pictures. <laughs> Huge segments of, um, again, of the hell section of, of Garden of Earthly Lights is people in red cloaks. Like, Descent from the Cross has a figure in the foreground wearing red. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't understand what you mean. Like, the picture that the picture that they got given, to be fair, the picture that they got given as reference didn't have any red in it. They were like, oh, it could have been green, like the picture. But, like, the brief wasn't to make it like the picture, it was to make it like the style of the artist. And then and then to say, oh, my God, like, to say there was no mustachioed people, and I, I sent you loads of pictures again, particularly from Descent from the Cross. Super interesting picture, by the way, for tattoo history or body mod history because it's got people with facial piercings in it. Um. Super interesting picture, that, from a historical point of view. But um, I just sent you so many pictures of people with moustaches in his... I mean, often, again, a pr- bit racially problematic. They're kind of coded as, like, Turks or Jews, I think, a lot of the time. So, uh, you know, uh, fine. Be, be, be careful about how you're reproducing those images in a contemporary tattoo. But, like, don't fucking piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Don't tell me there's no red <laughs> in... And not even, he didn't even say he didn't even say there's no red in Bosch he said there's no red in renaissance painting like motherfucker like I not know fucking Rubens like like Rubens did Madonna of the Pinks whose whole fucking dress is red
0: so it, I think it, I think it's safe to say that this episode in particular broke Matt's brain but so Diana went home it, it was a f- I'm sorry, Ruben. I mean Raphael.
1: So look, I'm I'm, gonna, I'm having people for making stupid art history mistakes and I just confused Rubens and Raphael. But
0: yeah, Diana went home. I think justifiably so. If looking at it as it's applied as a tattoo, I think their critiques of it not really being Picasso were a bit off. But it's what it is. Diana went home. So now there's eight left. Matt. How are you feeling now, your first experience with Ink Master? Bear in mind, we are going to be doing this every week. This is going to be included on the free feed. It'll come out probably at the weekends for you to watch along. I know Ink Master isn't available outside of the US. There is ways around it. I can help you. Um, But whether you listen as it's coming out or as Ink Master comes out in the UK, in Europe, and in Australia, I think it's coming out on the 29th of September. Yeah, we'll be doing this every week, Matt. Are you excited? How do just, you feel? I'm gonna,
1: again, I am excited. I am gonna again. I'm gonna have to kind of make an erratum correction in my ranting. The painting I'm talking about, by Raphael, is the is the Garver Madonna. And Rubens did a Madonna with a red dress, and Raphael did a Madonna with a with a red dress. He did an auto pentacle Madonna of the Pinks. So she's wearing a blue dress in that. So I'm, I'm just I'm gonna hold my hands up to that mistake. But I don't know, it's unfair of me to rant at Army James, but.
0: Apologize to Ami James, you've hurt his feelings.
1: Well, there's there's too many pictures by religious artists of women wearing red dresses for him to say that the color red doesn't exist. I mean, fucking Pope Julius II in like completely wearing a red papal outfit. Like Velasquez, who who did a pope. Like, what the f. Just stop. Stop. (laughs) Please make it stop. Yeah.
0: So have you got anything that you'd like to say before we close out?
1: Okay, well, what am I going to say? Um, my favourite uh, is Pon. Uh, hashtag Team Pon. I think it's a- weird that they haven't got any tattoos of colour now. They only had one in the whole show and they got rid of him in the first episode. Um, and it- I'm going to have to up the dose of my blood pressure medication if I'm not careful.
0: I'm going to give my Tattoo of the first two episodes to Gian, that Audrey Beersley horse was incredible. And anyway, if you like the show and you want to hear more, you can find us on all major streaming platforms. I assume if you're listening to this, you've already found us. You can support the show and get some bonus episodes on Patreon. You can find us at Beneath the Skin. If you want to find us online, you can find the show at Beneath Skin Pod on Twitter you can find me at Got It at Gyneys and you can find matt at at matt lodder what is gynees i've always meant to ask you that oh it's like a um uh, it's kind of like poundland uh in <laughs> ireland see we have poundland but it's called deals with a z but it's like this shop that is like just in dublin that you can buy anything in but it's like really really cheap um I got it years ago. I've never changed it. I used to have my name on social media and then I changed it and we can never get it back now. Yeah. Thanks very (laughs) much for listening to the show and we will talk to you soon. Bye.